morning bread. It's another exciting, sparkling day for an episode of Real Talk. Don't you feel it? I, I love it. Yes, this sparkling, scintillating. We need to come up with as many adjectives as we can. And, and I'm in a great mood today because uh, I go on holiday uh, this afternoon. Oh, good for you. Uh, so I've got this wonderful podcast uh, and then just two more meetings. I've got a little sticky note on my computer where I'm ticking off the meetings today uh, as we go through them. Um, I had five at the beginning of the day. This is the third one. So afterwards, I've passed the halfway point. So I'm in a great mood. Um, what shall we shine a light on today? What's beeping on your radar this morning? Yeah, well, this morning I um, ha had the thought, I stumbled over some content that reminded me of the question that a lot of people should be asking themselves, but they don't as they look uh, to building their careers. More people should ask themselves, I'm making a statement right here, do you really want to become a manager? Mm -hmm. Because most people at the beginning of their careers, they have being a manager already as a fixed milestone somewhere in their uh, ideas for their career. And, um, but I think it's worth um, talking about a little bit, what is it actually that a manager does? Um, and can you become a respected leader without being a manager? Mm. I think that's like a, a, one of those kind of, 10 million dollar questions because for most people they see career progression as rising up and therefore by definition if i come in as an individual contributor the next step is to become a, a team leader and then the next step is to become a manager and somehow the leader is seen as someone more senior more experienced more tenured so I think it's a great, uh, it's a great question. And, and maybe I'll throw one straight back at you, which is how come people still today think that the only path for promotion is management? Yeah, look, I think it's very tempting to um, have promotions as, and you know, specifically also, promotions into a leadership position as some of your goals because <clears throat> the general sentiment is that with a promotion to becoming a manager in particular uh, you also add status um, to your plate so to speak and uh, status is something that is so important for a lot of people it's also salary so there's, there's a general I think it's mostly true but not exclusively true that often managers have a better salary. So if both of this, if, if that's something that you expect for yourself and that also maybe others expect of you, right? Your parents, your friends, whoever that, you know, when you meet them 10 years later at your school reunion, you know, I'm a manager everybody now. says, I'm a manager off, I'm a director off. And, and you go like, well, I'm not. Maybe that kind of makes you feel funny. So I think there's a motivation that's mostly for a lot of people is in status and it's in the salary, thinking that it's always the better salary, which is not always true. Um, and uh, a third one that uh, was in my mind, what was it again? Um, status, salary, and uh, ah, yes, uh, the ability to have power and control 
over other people is appealing to some. And yet, all three of those things are related to ego. They are. They're completely. <laughs> and you know what? Look, I'm not judging that, really. Um, I don't want to point a finger on that as something. Uh, we all have some egos, and it's, you can't make it go away completely, I believe. But then still, there are consequences to this kind of choice that in the beginning of your career, you may not be aware of at all because you see all these tempting things that your ego tells you, that's what I want. But I'm... where there's light, there's also always darkness. <laughs> right. Dramatically. Um, but it's darkness for some. It's something because with becoming a manager, you get additional um, duties and there's additional expectations on you that are so big that they will completely change the way you experience work. And if you're not cut out for this, and if you do not genuinely want and feel good with these new responsibilities that come with it, I think you may up ending a very unhappy chap. Well, and I think there's a, a, an interesting framing for this because if I go back to when I first started out at work, sort of, you know, 25, 30 years ago, my manager sat in his office all day and just did one-to-one -one meetings. He had a team of 16 people and pretty much from Monday to Friday, he was in one-to-one -one meetings with us. He didn't have a job to do himself. He didn't have to execute against projects and tasks. His sole responsibility was to manage us as a team to get things done. And the world looks different now because when you're promoted into a management position, apart from the extra responsibilities that I'm sure we'll come on to momentarily, you actually also have to do your job still. And there was a really interesting research uh, white paper done at uh, Stanford University by the Hay Group. And they found that when you're an individual contributor, 100% of your impact and input is based on doing your job. And as soon as you step into a management role, you still have to do your job, but now you must do it in 70% of the time in order to create the space 30% of the time to manage the team. Yeah, sounds about so, right. Right, so you've got to be really prepared to be able to not just step back from doing, you still have to do, but you're taking on an extra stretch when you move into the management space because you've got an extra 30% layer here that's coming on the top and you're still gonna be measured on your results and yeah. the results of the team. <laughs> exactly. But actually, to be honest, there's something I would argue it's probably even, uh, there's, there's a third percentage that actually goes away from your time. And how, how big it is, I think, depends a lot on the company you're in and their standards and their automation and so on and so forth. But there is a huge amount of, um, of planning and reporting. And so it has nothing to do with your team, but additional responsibilities that you get that do not count against your personal achievements as a contributor that you still will be in at least in the 21st century. So there's, it's probably more like half-half. You, you have to make sure that you do your job with your own contributions in 50% of the time. And then there's the other 50% is 
the let's say management administration and then working with your people <laughs> i would even shift it further and say yeah. it's probably still 70 percent to do the job 30 percent to manage the team and an extra 20 percent on top yeah. to do the management good administration <laughs> good point good point because it's a stretch and i think yeah. this is sometimes we don't always look at that we, we like the idea of you know the promotion the being the manager but actually it's the stretch piece that will create the pressure yeah. because unless you like that kind of detail orientation the planning the forecasting the, the making sure the holiday plans are, are set right so not everybody goes off for the same week um and you know it's those kinds of things the managing up piece as well being the buffer between the team and the, the more senior leadership that are expecting results and measuring you um all the stakeholders for every member of the team there's a lot that isn't seen in the manager's role being a yeah. manager requires i think the ability to juggle extraordinarily true it's it's true and it's and none of this you necessarily see as you aspire to become a manager for the ego reasons because that's you think is what's going what you're going to get um and uh, i think this is a good uh, time let's shine a little bit of light on what is it actually that comes in addition to when you are being promoted uh, as a manager we mentioned uh, you know planning and uh, organizing this is a huge part uh, right. in a lot of companies you're asked to do lots of planning lots of forecasting um, and it's not necessarily an easy job it's something that also takes a lot of time um, so if you do not enjoy sitting over um, spreadsheets sitting over numbers um, organizing the the flow not just only in your team but also maybe in the in the connection with with neighboring teams and uh, and this reporting up part that we that we were also just briefly mentioning uh, that's a lot first of all from the amount of work that it does but i think it's also you need to be sure that you can enjoy doing that there are people who enjoy doing that they excel at planning at organizing yeah. and so on um, and if that's one of your talents i would say then maybe you can cope well with it uh, but if you didn't know that coming into this position oblivious of that's going to be like your new responsibilities package you might become quite depressed i've seen people over the course of my career who went back into you know deliberately they yeah. want to get back into an individual contributor role because thankfully they were honest with themselves and were saying i'm no longer happy in this that's not what i want that's not what i'm maybe good at even right so um and that's actually a super I'm, I'm proud of them that they had this realization and then then went back um i don't know i don't even want to say back back just in terms of that they have been in uh, individual contributor before but not back in the sense of that it's something uh inferior to being a manager right uh, i wonder if as a as a manager when when you look back over your career when you finished in your last uh company how many people were in your team about 30 and how many of those did you directly have to manage that was smart. It was three. And I think there is the challenge, right? Because 
And this is what we don't always think. When we step up into that management role, if you've got eight, nine, 10, 12 people in your team, that's a lot of interpersonal relationships. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that a lot of people were, you know, were stretched out a lot with the people part when they had 10 direct reports. Right. At least in a company that will take seriously uh, the whole coaching, helping people develop part, caring part. Of course, you can, can also decide to not uh, give a crap, you know, and just mm -hmm. make, mm -hmm. you know, some oh, law, and law and order regime uh, top down. Then, of course, you don't spend so much time with people, but then you also spend a lot of time finding replacements because people leave. Right. Yeah. But I know, was it, was it Jeff Bezos? Did he say, if you can't feed your team with uh, one extra large pizza, the team's too big. And I think there are eight slices in a giant size pizza. So yeah. uh, I think the, the ideal team is eight. I remember meeting one guy who had 28 people he directly managed. And I suggested to him, maybe he needed to think about a reorg <laughs> to bring that into some kind of manageable normality and and because he liked more control and didn't trust as much um he wants to maintain it which meant he was working 90 hour weeks oh yeah i i don't I, i'm not surprised if you have 28 people all of them want just a tiny slice of your time a few times a week uh but there's not going to be a single week where you don't have to deal with you know somebody saying calling home sick uh, and you need to kind of organize a little bit of replacement for those days that they're gone uh, for people saying I want um, a holiday I want a day off you just too quickly need to you know vet that also um, there's not a single day where somebody is coming up to your office or writing you an email or whatever it is complaining about something that has happened with the others so it is um, it's huge with 28 people this is huge if you care uh, and there's, there's probably something in that, right? That line of if, if you care, um, yeah. because if there's an assumption, of course, then that, that you do. Um, do you, have you experienced people moving into those management roles where actually they've been promoted because they're technically brilliant at their jobs? but actually they don't have the order and structure for the planning or they don't have the interpersonal for the people. And, and I asked the question because I've seen a lot, uh, not just in tech companies in media companies and sales organizations where somebody who's really excelled at their job is offered management by the company, not because their career was planning management, no. but because the company comes to them and says, Hey, 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 Frank, listen, we want you to become the team leader. You're doing so well. We want you to share your, you know, your love around. And actually, you make the worst manager ever because yes, actually you, you were a great contributor and, and now we're, we're, we're pulling you away from that. Yes, of course, I've, of course I've experienced that. I think it's actually, to be honest, I think it's the, this, the standard reason why um, people get promoted is that someone you know up the hierarchy says oh that's great performance we would need more of that so why don't we make this person a manager so that he can uh maybe then have 10 direct reports that then also become as good as him so that's the idea and 
of course, that's, that's foolish. That's not what's going to happen, right? And, um, well, it can work out, of course. You might be the one who is the best performer and you have some, you know, talent that just maybe needs some shaping and developing for you to become a really good manager and leader. And I've seen that happening too, right? If, if, there's, if companies invest into actually also supporting someone um, in their new role and with their new responsibilities so they can learn the new things that are expected of them, then this may well work out. But just as often it doesn't. And I suppose for me, when you talk about that kind of stepping up into management rather than maybe stepping into leadership, there's that subtle difference, isn't there, that leadership is much more about, it's more of an art form. It's about inspiring others to want to struggle to achieve shared aspirations. Um, whereas management is about getting the processes done to execute against plan. Um, and leadership is about the top line and management is about the bottom line. Do you have in your mind's eye some like critical questions I could ask myself if I'm confronted with a choice of, do I want to step in to a management role? What should I be considering? What should I be thinking about before I just say, yes, give me the role? <laughs> yes. So actually, uh, uh, I have memories of an associate telling me that they wanted to they wanted to know what they need to do to, be, to get a promotion to, to a manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, me, you know, being aware at that time already that it, actually that's a, it's, a, it's a big step and a big ask. I wanted to know if they knew what that would mean, right? right? So, so I asked, so what do you think is going to happen or what's going to be expected of you when you change to being promoted a manager and responsible for people and the outputs uh, of their team. And then they said, well, I really look forward to this was the reply because, you know, this is where, you know, I can actually start, you know, have a vision for my team and inspire others to, um, you know, get behind that idea. Uh, I can initiate new ideas. I can, you know, use influence. Uh, I can lead the way. Right. So that was in, in their mind. I said, what you're just describing is something that a, that a leader does. So, but there's stuff that's going to come up to you that because you are a manager, then you, you've mentioned none of them. Do you know what's coming? She said, what else is coming? I said, well, <laughs> and then the things that we were talking about earlier, you have to do a lot of planning, spend in front of spreadsheets, do reporting, organize. The team's organization is a lot um this whole managing up and down and sideways with the relationships and to be honest unless you jump to becoming the ceo and, and even him you also do follow a lot it's not just that out of a sudden you're the king um, of your little island or something like that that's not the case you are following orders a lot right and often and you still and that's actually extra tough so you get orders or in direction, there's not always an, an order in this literal sense, that you do not believe in. You think it's the wrong thing to do, but somebody comes to you and says, Brad, I need your team to do X, Y, Z. And maybe you can argue a little bit, but somebody says, shut up, Brad, go do it. Now, how do you, now you have the pleasure of going to your team of 10 
explaining them that from tomorrow something is expected of them that they just as you don't really believe is a good idea and you are in this tension field all the time it's not always pleasant that comes of course you need to analyze and monitor what's going on and so on so having explained that i remember that the, the person at that time said uh, when you put it this way i don't think that's what i want i don't want any of these things they said well good <laughs> i mean it's very good that you are aware of that for yourself because honestly all the things that you've been saying before that you're looking forward to do you can do in your contributor role you can have ideas you can lead the way you can inspire others to do that and brad i have seen a lot of people who were consistently over many years an individual contributor not a manager that have been respected leaders oh yeah for sure respected leaders way more than most of the managers that were around and so it's unrelated it's not it's not that you can be a, that, that it's not that you can't be a leader just because you're not a manager no and and i remember when you said that it reminds me i heard uh, bob Iger give a talk a couple of years ago um for those that are listening who don't know bob Iger's name he's the ceo of the uh, walt disney uh company uh, i think maybe one day he'll be uh, president of the us um and Bob uh, Iger was talking about leadership, actually, and about inspiring. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, there's a real simple difference between management and leadership. Because although most people think, in essence, they're the same thing, they're really different. And he said, I can summarize it in one sentence. Leaders have people that follow them, while managers have people who simply work for them. Beautiful. If, 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 yes. So unless a manager is also a good leader, that's exactly what would happen. So you don't need to manage people to have people follow you. Yes. That's uh, so I, I was talking yesterday at a, a conference, a women's conference, actually, on leadership signature and, and purpose. And we were talking about uh, this very topic because not everybody in the room were leaders. Some of them were aspiring leaders. Some were actually managers and some were leaders. And I said to them that for any of them who had children in their life, whether their own kids or uh, siblings with nephews and nieces, when you put six or seven kids in a room together, they appoint their own leader. There's no authority, there's no business card or email signature or one of them's earning more than the other. The leader is appointed by the group who has the best idea for the most creative, innovative game to play. Yes. And that role of leadership shifts during an afternoon whilst they play different games. Yes, exactly. And that's what, what to be honest, Brett, that what, that's what also happens in the workplace if you have a non-oppressive culture. Right, an open, transparent, collaborative one yes. that, that serves innovation. Um, and this is this idea that leaders have people who follow them and managers have people who simply work for them. And that dilemma and equal sort of, you know, um, parody is, I think, the challenge for any of us. Do you want to have people who simply work for you? 
Or do you want to actually maybe have people who work for you, but already start operating as a leader? Because by your opening statements, I understand what you're saying is I can actually still lead as a manager, but my core responsibilities within the business I'm in is to manage. Which oh, means or at least it's half of the time. Yes. I mean, right. Yeah, that's true. And maybe, you know, that's the subtle difference, right, from your list of things that you gave your uh, previous employee. Uh, leadership is about inspiring and management is about planning. Yeah, it, it, it could be put down as simple as that. But let's tie this back a little bit because, you know, I already hear people saying, okay, good, but I still want uh, the better salary. I want the um, status and I want to have, you know, some power and influence. Um, you can hear that too, right? They're still yeah. asking that. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I believe that when you become a respected leader, and I think we have established, I, I know it's true, you can become a respected leader as a non-manager. Um, your ego will be very, very happy because that's exactly what you actually wanted to, it's what you set out to get to begin, to begin with, you know? So that you said, you know, my ego wants to have some sort of, um, how do you say that bread in English? Some confirmation. Yeah, uh, validation. Valued and that I'm respected. So yeah. you get that, right? Um, I know for a fact that also there were uh, excellent leaders, non-managers in the last company I worked for, who earned just as much as I, or maybe even more, right? Because a company will know, a good company, will know that when somebody is an excellent leader, manager or not, that they're going to compensate them for their value. So the, the salary piece will also be fine, right? And now about the power. When you are a respected leader, you have worked hard to have enough influence over people whose you know, decisions in favor of your ideas or plans you need, that you actually do have that power. The typical manager, as the world evolves and in, in, at work, actually, to be honest, is no longer the expert of what to do in a certain situation. But you maybe as a subject matter expert, you walk up to the manager and say, look, Frank, this is what we need to do in this situation. Here is the plan, here are the pros and cons. Um, give me the go ahead, I'll take care of that it happens. That's what you wanna hear. Because if everybody looks at you saying, okay, what do we do in this situation? What the hell do you know? You're no, after a while, you're no longer the expert in the field because you've spent much less, less time on this. Right? So you get that also. You get actual power through the respect that you have earned on your way. So there's nothing to lose if you're just saying, manager, no thank you, not for me. I work with a lot of clients who, when they bring new hires in and they do their onboarding or their orientation, they talk to them about, you know, you have to lead your career here. And often what I found the really effective organizations do is they show two paths. They show a deep subject matter expert path and the people management path. Right. And they actually undersell the people management path because it's a headache. Mm -hmm. 
don't feel as though your only option because imagine how many people are leaving companies because they think the only place to go is a manager and they don't want to go into management yes a lot i'm sure and i think you know being a manager and a leader at, at the same time it, it's quite viable as a concept but for the most part you're going to choose either path right you're either going to go down that deep dive uh, individual contributor subject matter expert or you're going to grow as a, um, a, a people manager and I think it's really interesting because you know you and I both work with with leadership a lot um, and we've got a, a client coming up where we're going to be working with the leadership team specifically to elevate their leadership away from being managers um, and it's interesting isn't it because I often look at leaders and I think you know leaders innovate uh, and managers organize. Um, leaders inspire trust. Uh, managers rely on control. Leaders ask the what's and the why questions and, and managers lead more to how and when. And these kind and of- how much. <laughs> and how much. And, and these subtle differences, I think, if you are comfortable asking those questions, if you want to innovate, maybe people management is gonna be really stifling for you because you don't wanna spend 30% of your week organizing. Yeah. If you really like control, then maybe management is perfect for you because you'll have people working for you, you can distribute workflow and workload. It's correct. So, you know, so I think giving people this kind of like, I like the idea that you gave someone like almost like a checklist of which ones do you see yourself landing in? Because that's going to point you in the direction. That's going to show you on the dial which path you are heading towards. Not to say you can't learn and develop, because if, if you can't learn and develop, I've just lost one third of my business <laughs> for the future yes. in management development programs. But you know, when we, when we design a management development program for people, often what we're doing is we're creating the processes that people need to execute against plans. So it's almost as if, you know, to go into a management position, you just need to be a great executor so that you can build a strategic vision, build out your roadmap and execute against it. Whereas the leader is inspiring the team to think of a vision and purpose and inspire followers rather than motivate them. They just inspire them. And I, I sense it's a, it's a big challenge and, and probably will continue to be a challenge for as long as I think I'm around because ultimately, unless every organization tells people at interview, people management isn't the only path, you can go down this route we're always going to presume the only way to step up is to go down a management path. And what you're saying here is actually think about it because that's not the only path you've got. That's true. But also there's some other conclusion to this, Brad, <clears throat> additional one, not contrary, is that when you look at this, you, the, the way we described it today, it sounds maybe a little bit like we're discouraging people from becoming managers. Actually, I want to say that's not the case. But what you actually can read out of this is no matter whether you continue to be an individual contributor or you choose to go the manager route, 
to invest into your leadership skills is never wasted. So especially when you're early in your career, I think you need to develop an interest about your, your personal leadership skills development because you cannot have this kind of becoming a respected leader and so on if you do not you know, train and advance on the skills that you need on that journey. Right. If you then at one point say, okay, I also want to become a manager, um, I do think that it's that less and less so people want to hire managers that are not also great leaders. So I think that it's the best investment you can make at any given point. And if you haven't done this so far, now is the best, the best day to start uh, is to invest in these kind of skills for yourself. Of course, they will be beneficial in, in, in either case. I know that uh, I love that because I often, from a coaching point of view, work with people at all levels of business and those sometimes that are aspiring to be promoted. And one of the questions that I often ask them uh, is what mission in your work absolutely obsesses you? Can you say that again? Sorry. We'll yeah. That. What mission in your work absolutely obsesses you like completely takes over right like what do you dream about <laughs> your 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 burning passion and you can see it because when people start answering that question they start to realize do you know what i love doing my job and then actually the management path isn't for them but it doesn't mean then they don't take up your man and say but actually from a leadership point of view what can I do to develop some of those skills as I become more experienced? So people do listen. People do want to follow. I can create my purpose, yeah. my vision. What do I want to change in my scope of impact? And it's this phrase of, you know, what's your scope of impact? And I think... Question people, to ask. Yeah, right. Because if people can answer these questions, Frank, they'll know which path to go down, whether it's leadership, whether it's deep dive subject matter experts, or whether it's manager. Yeah. Or all three of them, probably not at the same time, but yeah. Yeah, maybe in time. And, Look, and life is long. You can hopes. do many, many things. <laughs> yeah, and... and, and I mean, the average person who would work from somewhere between 18 and, uh, and 67, that's a damn long time. Doesn't mean that you have to continue to waste your time by just staying where you are without any sort of development. I think that would be boring. I don't know, maybe that's just me, but... Um, I think anyway, my point is there's a lot of time and uh, you don't have to do everything on day one, but I don't think that uh, development on leadership skills on your own, the answering this question, what's my scope of impact and how can I expand it is ever the wrong question. No. Um, and I think to, to be inspired by what we do, we need to understand what it is we're trying to do. And you're right when you say this isn't about putting people off from wanting to be a people manager. It's not about saying leadership is the nirvana. It's about saying know yourself, know what you're trying to achieve, build those skills, and then you can make a really informed decision about the best path. Yeah, yeah that's right. To be honest, I know if you really, if you cannot be honest to yourself, and you just follow the, the ego call of becoming a manager and then you figure out it's not for you, but you stick with it. 
uh, I think you'll have a very sad moment at one point in your life when you look back and think I haven't really lived it the way I enjoyed it. I think it's a super important question to ask yourself, right? Also to re-evaluate re it. You know, I always tell people, you got to try new things because unless you've done it, you don't really know, you yeah. know, how something tastes or how, how you like it. So, yeah, I think a lot of people, if they think they're cut out of it, they should try, but they should also be honest to themselves. Like the ones that I was talking about earlier that said, I figured it's not for me. I'm going to go and do a contributor role again. Yeah. I, that's and, smart acting. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know about you, but that's what I do when uh, I try different foods. Yeah. I Good try thing. them, I reflect on it, and I decide whether it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. I know not about you, but I, I for example, I'm, I, I like beer and I'm German. Maybe that's why. Of course. Yeah, anyway, it's part I of make your DNA, it, Frank. Yes, but, but I make it, a, since many years, I made it a practice. Every time I'm at a place and I look at their, their menu and there's anything I don't know in the beer department, I'm ordering it. I want, at least once. You know, I, I want to know it. And through that, I've discovered so many things that I like that I wouldn't have if I just stuck with the top five that, you know, were already on my list. Mm -hmm. And I think with careers, it might be similar. It's, just, it's no shame in saying, okay, I tried this, didn't work out. There's yeah. no shame in that. That kind of honesty is, uh, I think, more aspirational for people because I think uh, responsibility, life, these things get in the way and it's much harder to have that clinical honesty. Um, no, it's not much harder. I think people more struggle with that kind of honesty because of their responsibilities. Yeah. But we've talked in earlier um, conversations, haven't we, about that kind of need to satisfy parts of our life, our parents, our family, our, our social circle, where we aspire to do things without necessarily the real thought as to whether or not we want or need them. Um, and what you're talking about here is, you know, your open mindset. So that extends to beer uh, as much as it would your career. Exactly. Um, and the mindset question. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, and I think, I'm sure we, we can't do the whole topic justice in, in 30 minutes. But for me, it's this simple question of, what do I really want to do when I'm at work? And in order to answer that question, I have to be really clear on what would be required of me if I stepped into a people management role. And it's called people management for a reason. That's right. So look, maybe we can uh, do the following. Um, um, let's do a little infographic that we can post on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. with, the, with how do we characterize the two differences. Maybe this is helpful for some people who aspire to their next career steps for them to just reflect upon. And uh, it would be lovely to hear what everybody thinks about this. Yeah, let's ask people to give some feedback so uh, we get a feeling for the temperature out there when it comes to, uh, to this topic. Love it. Frankly, I think we've come full circle on that one. We have. Love it. Another, what was the word you used? Uh, scintillating. Me? Sparkling, sparkling. Shiny. Another sparkling, shiny edition of Real Talk is in the bag. That was great fun. Thanks, Frank. See you next time. Hey, Brad. Yeah, bye bye. Thanks. Bye.